Welcome to the Soul Service Podcast. I'm your host and soul-centric leadership coach, Anastasia Burtnick. If you are a spiritual seeker looking to learn, grow, and make deep and lasting change in your life, you are in the right place, my friend. I'll be serving you up juicy topics on soul work, relationships, purpose, power, and everything in between. Together, we are going to dive deep into our hearts and souls so you can live your best life ever. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Soul Service Podcast. I have a really, really amazing guest for you today. The conversation is so, so juicy, and I cannot wait to share it with you. So uh, let me introduce our esteemed guest today. Uh, We have Allie Canales on the podcast, and Allie is an embodied leadership coach, womb guru, and voice for female empowerment and sacred expression. Her work guides women to ignite their womb's wisdom, to allow them to feel safe, to be seen in their medicine, and to step into the bigness of their soul's mission. She teaches female leaders to lead from alignment and create businesses and lives fueled in pleasure, play, and ease. Oh, this is such a good interview. I cannot wait for you to meet Ali and let me know what you think. Um, Now, before we dive in, I just want to remind you, if you haven't yet, I would so, so appreciate it if you could go and leave a rating and a review on the show. Hopefully it's five star uh, because it really does help us get, get higher in the rankings and it helps us be seen and it helps me help more people. So please go leave a rating and review over here on iTunes. And if you don't have access to it on your phone, you can do it um, through a mobile desktop app that works really well too. And yeah, I would so, so, so appreciate it. And as always, thank you for all your support already. Thank you for sharing the episodes um, and for tuning into the podcast. I love you all so much. And there's just going to be more and more amazing content coming down the line for you. And my last announcement is I do have private one-on-one coaching spots available. If this is something you're interested in, please reach out. You can do that via email, Instagram, or Facebook. All the links are in the show notes. And we are going to be building a really deep spiritual foundation for you, breaking through your blocks, helping you identify them, um, and really setting you up for success so that you can start building the life and business that you really want. All right, so let's dive into the episode. Hi, Allie. How are you doing today? I'm so good. I'm so excited to be here and jam out with you today. Uh, I'm so excited that you're here. I've really admired your work for a long time and I've kind of watched you grow. And um, the reason I found you is because you were in the school of soul wealth wave two uh, and I was in the wave one. So I reconnected through Ryan you yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So I'm glad you were able to be here today. Yeah. I'm super excited to connect. I feel like Ryan and Chris have such a, you know, they call on such awesome clients. So it's nice to connect with other people that are like-minded. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So I want to just dive into everything with you. Um, I, you know, I don't actually know much about you other than kind of how we've connected a little bit. So I'd love to get to know more about you. So who is Allie? 
Mm, I love this question. And there's so many, like, obviously ways to answer this, right? The variety of ways in my multifaceted expression. So, yeah, I guess I would describe myself as um, I've played with a couple different terms. Um, to kind of summarize my work, though, that feels really fitting right now is I call myself a woman self-mastery coach, which mm. really in terms like is a woman's leadership and business coach. But I feel uh, a lot of my work centers around helping women really reconnect to their feminine power, and it's really centered around helping them deepen into their womb's magic and lead their businesses through their feminine energy. So I guide a lot of my the women and clients that I work with back to their feminine energy so they can learn to operate in their feminine, I guess, mechanics in a way to you know thrive in business and life but you know I'm I know you are familiar obviously familiar with Chris and Ryan's work because they talk about it a lot where you know that feminine essence it you know craves something so much more than sometimes just business growth which is my work really centers around like helping women have it all so not just having the flourishing bank account and business but also the ethical love life and the sustainability and just like that harmony in their lives that I feel like so many women um, struggle with is that, you know, they yeah. want the business growth, but mm -hmm. they also, the other, there's other parts of their life that they really want to nurture. So that's what I help a lot of my women with. They're very, you know, high achieving leaders, but trying to find that harmonious balance. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that's kind of, I feel like summarizing who I am and I guess my work in the world Maybe I think I talked a little bit more about my work than who I am, but yeah. it's a good starting place. <laughs> it is a great starting place. <laughs> and what would you like, tell me more about your personal life as well. Like who, who are you on a personal side? Yeah, personal side. So I live on Vancouver Island in Canada. I am very chill. I love, I'm kind of like an introverted extrovert. I'm like very love to hang out with people but for a short amount of time and then I'm like okay I can be at home for seven days in a row and like feel completely <laughs> fulfilled like oh. no one talked to me but I me am too. very <laughs> yes um yeah and I'm also in like my younger 20s which I think sometimes is a little bit I think that is a very interesting thing about me to have a very successful business at a younger age and mm -hmm. something I think was a challenge for the longest time I had to overcome, you know, overcoming like, are people going to take me seriously? Who's going to yeah. take advice from someone that's younger? You know, all of that stuff. And I have an amazing relationship and other hobbies of mine are very much like pole dancing and travel and mm. herbalism and all the yummy witchy stuff. And yeah, that's a oh, little cool. bit more about me on a personal side. Oh, neat. You know, I didn't actually know that you were in your early 20s. Yeah, most people don't. Yeah. I'm, I'm still very quiet about it. <laughs> I think that's really powerful. You know, like, like you said, not like it's hard for people to take you seriously because there's so many misconceptions about age and they, everybody thinks that with age comes wisdom, but that's not always true, um, especially mm. for older souls and like yourself, myself, like we're very old souls and mm. we have a lot of wisdom to give and we've typically had a lot of life experience as well. So it's beautiful for us to be able to step into that and own our age and our wisdom and just mm. have that level of trust. Yeah, it's it was a really big thing for me to kind of yeah, overcome because there is that kind of like weirdness around age. And, you know, I, 
it kind of goes back to one of my favorite things in the four agreements is like making assumptions. A lot of people make assumptions that, you know, people in their, you know, younger twenties or, you know, millennials or whatever the story is like, or well, I don't know, most people know the stories about all of the things. And mm-hmm. I found it, it's something that I'm still playing with of like not keeping it hidden, owning it more of as a superpower. Cause like you said, yeah. it's like, it does make, it is part of my medicine. And it's always a, I think for me, what was challenging too is, you know, people would always ask me like, well, what do you know? And there, you know, I had a long history and a lot of experiences of like having a really big spiritual awakening like when I was quite young and mm. it used to really trigger me or make me uncomfortable to have to like constantly be like try to prove like well this is what I've actually experienced and people would soften but it was a big challenge to overcome but now it's like I see it as a big part of my medicine and a really big you know gift um, because wisdom is like you said, not age, like you can learn something from a four-year-old as much as someone that's in their sixties, you know, it's all about perception. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's Mm -hmm. beautiful. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit more about, um, kind of how you got into the work that you do. Cause I know at one point I heard you say that, um, you weren't even called to do a lot of womb work and it just kind of was something or like it wasn't something you wanted to do but it was a calling of your soul so can you tell me a little bit more about that yes I love this story (laughs) I love this story because I like I've been into womb work for such a long time like Mm -hmm. it was I have a a really dense history of a lot of you know sexual trauma um like multiple experiences and had done a lot of healing in a variety of ways um you know regular talk therapy yoga, um, even dabbling into like the more psychedelic plant medicines that were helpful as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but during a plant medicine ceremony, specifically ayahuasca, um, I, I had gotten my period and you're not traditionally like some, I know in some circles, they do allow women to sit when they're on their period. But the people that I was sitting with at the time, um, it was just that it was came to me or the medicine was, you know, that's your own sacred ceremony. Like you don't need to necessarily sit in a plant medicine ceremony at that time. And that's what kind of brought me. It was the first time that I had like seen such reverence for Mm -hmm. the menstrual cycle. Um, And it was also a time where, you know, when I first started doing kind of that healing work around my sexual trauma, I was also recovering from, an eating disorder, which had taken away my menstrual cycle for about, I think, a year and a half. So when I got it back, it was in the form of energy work. Um, I had like shamans like do some energy work in my womb one night. And then like, I think a couple days later it came back and it was such a different setting of when I had first got my period, like years before I was around like Mm -hmm. shamans and midwives and elders and you know, medicine women, and they really had a different perspective on how that menstrual cycle was really sacred. Mm -hmm. And it really deepened me into the importance of coming back to the female body, especially with the trauma that I had around sexual assault. Because as much as um, it was helpful in talk therapy to, you know, talk about my experience, it could only take me so far. Um, and even the plant medicine ceremonies, they could only take me so far because my experience after the sexual assaults was, 
you know, being disconnected from my sexuality, being disgusted by my femininity, like there was such a heavy layer of it. So that's mm-hmm. what brought me into womb work. Um, and then I had been doing it, practicing it. Obviously, I was surrounded by a lot of elders, a lot of you know medicine people, a lot of shamans that were teaching me this. And then I kind of had this obsession and started developing my own studies and you know researching and wanting to deepen it even more. So it was a practice for about seven years. And then around the time last year, I was having a conversation with a friend just about womb work. And anytime a woman would ask anything about their menstrual cycle or trauma in the womb or their sexuality, it was an area that I really was comfortable speaking about. Mm-hmm. However, for the longest time, I was so, I was like, I don't want to be the woman that talks about like wombs and periods. Um, but my friend was like, no, you should, like, you are very you talk about it in a way that I've never heard talked about. And mm-hmm. it feels very accessible. Um, so I launched Wilma Alchemy. And at that time, I was still working a part-time job. And it's actually kind of a funny story about how it launched because I also have endometriosis and it can mm-hmm. cause really heavy bleeds. Yes. So okay. I was at work and I had bled through a tampon and I had blood everywhere on me and they wouldn't allow me to go home and Mm -hmm. clean myself up um they were just go cleaning yourself up in the bathroom and it felt so shameful and I kind of got a little bit shamed like why didn't you bring another pair of underwear like you should have been more prepared and I was so angry and felt so this fire and this passion so I had walked out of the job and I decided to launch the first round of womb alchemy and that's kind of what sparked me doing it because I really saw that I couldn't even get mad at them it was mm-hmm. you know a lot of women are uneducated in that area of womb work and the variety of, of different ways so that's kind of how it launched and it was kind of just like soul colliding because I wasn't going to launch it until like like six months but some from that instance of like having to go on the bus and like like blood everywhere and just feeling really ashamed and just anger I had realized I'm like I need to step into this space like there's something bigger here that more women yeah you know need this medicine so that's kind of I guess how it all happened and it's been a beautiful course ever since um you know it's launching for the fourth time now and it's on it's one of my favorite courses that I run and yeah so that's kind of a little bit behind the story of how that all happened <laughs> wow that's that's a really interesting um I, I feel that on every single level like I feel like you were speaking to every age of me like 13 year old me 15 like 17 19 <laughs> up until like 28 so yeah, your work is so powerful and so needed in the world because we are so disconnected typically from our wombs and from our cycles. And it's like, it's dirty. That's what we've been taught, but it's really not. It's so powerful, so beautiful. So I love that you just fell into it and like trusted everything that happened on that day with, with your period and bleeding everywhere and just leaving your job and just trusting yourself. That is incredible. Amazing. Yeah, it was, and that that's why I'm like, on that day, like I've always let my womb kind of guide me and like lead my mm-hmm. life. But I think it was that day where she was asking for such a deeper surrender 
and to get my attention, she had to make me bleed everywhere, which, you know, for most women, it would have been horrifying. And it was a little bit, I yeah. wasn't embarrassed that it had happened. I was more like upset in the, sh of how I was being shamed. I was, you know, mm -hmm. my fierce menstrual cycle, like womb advocate was like, a bear. I was like, what? I cannot believe this stuff still happens in the workplace, especially like a female workplace. Yeah. So yeah, it all kind of collided. And I think that that's really the beautiful thing is in my own life and my own experience of like when you do deepen into your womb, um, it's, you know, it anchors you into like that feminine consciousness. And also it anchors you into like that deep support of like the primal feminine in such a deep way. And that's kind of what I experienced. Mm -hmm. Like walking out of my job and being like, I'm leaving, I'm launching this course and we're going to see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so tell me, what are some of the practices that you do to really get in touch with your womb space? Mm, yeah, there's, there's so many different ones. I think for me and like the most trauma informed one that I often get people to start with is breathing into that space. Um, mm -hmm. All of the women that go in through womb alchemy often, you know, say that that practice is so highly supportive because it's an area a lot of women um, have lost touch with. And yeah. unless they may have gone through a pregnancy, and this is often what I hear is women have not been maybe in touch with their womb unless they're pregnant. And then after pregnancy, it's like, okay, Bye. So having a daily practice of just breathing into that space, mm -hmm. if you do have womb trauma too, like, you know, sexual assault or maybe a miscarriage or, you know, a termination or an abortion, whether that was a choice for you or it wasn't a choice for you. Um, there's, and even womb wounds can, they can be in a variety of different ways, but those are the ones I kind of primary see in the womb and lots of women come to me for, mm -hmm. but especially if there's trauma, you want to ensure that it's simple and it's doable. And breath is a way to reconnect to that part of your body. It's a way to bring awareness to that body and because that womb is like a sponge of energy, just simply breathing and being present can be really small and doable. I always tell my women, like, what's the smallest doable step? And a lot of the women will sometimes just do womb breath for like two weeks. And that's the only practice that they'll do yeah. three minutes a day, a couple breaths a day in between maybe a commercial when you're watching The Bachelor or in between stoplights, like making it really small and accessible. Another way is, you know, in a trauma-informed way, again, is um, establishing touch. So again, making it three minutes. I mean, all of these practices that I'm going to share, you can make it into like a simple womb reconnection routine, which is like under 10 minutes, which is totally doable and accessible yeah. for everyone. But just placing your breath, like maybe... Um, with like it almost like in a triangle position and you can do this while you're breathing but just taking notice of the sensations that run through your body when you're making contact with her mm -hmm. for me this was really scary at the start because it was an area that had held so much trauma and often what happens with trauma is like we go into flight, fight, or freeze, we can immobilize, we can desensitize, we can mm -hmm. disassociate. So creating, again, association. And then the next thing is a journal practice of some sort. Um, mm -hmm. What I did for a while is I would write a letter to my womb, and then I would let 
her write a letter back to me. And whenever I tell women this, they're like, I don't know what she's going to say. I don't know what to say. But a lot of my letters to her at the start were like, I don't know what to say. I feel awkward even talking to you. And then her reply would be, yeah, that's okay. And it was like this for months on end. And that's what I like to inform women on is womb work is a journey. It's not a destination. I mean, some of the, I mean, these three practices I did for like focused on for maybe two and a half years. And then it opened up and created more spaciousness for the other things that I glide women into. So those are kind of, I feel like three that are entry points. They're really good ones to start and they're really good ones to deepen into, especially if you've already been into womb work, like about deepening into that daily practice and seeing where that can take you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I actually have my own experience with doing womb work as well. Uh, I started like, just like you just shared with the, with the breathing practices and, and writing to your womb space. I've done all of that. I didn't specifically know what I was doing. I was just going with it, just trusting my intuition. But the more I got in touch with that space, just the more that opened up. And I I noticed even when I started breathing into my womb space, it it feels so different because you're not used to getting breath down there. Mm. So you have to, you have to like open up so much and it takes a lot of practice for even your muscles to allow air into, Mm. into that space. Um, but yeah, it definitely is so, so healing. Mm, I love that you mentioned that. Yeah. Cause it does take some time for you to like reestablish that relationship. And the nice thing about breath work too is, um, I obviously I don't have a picture, but I, everyone should like go look this up afterwards if you're not familiar with it already. But a lot of us are disconnected from those like root, the lower chakras, especially our wombs. But if you look at the like anatomy of your vocal cords compared to like the anatomy of your womb and your pelvic floor they are so similar Mm -hmm. so actually like breathing into that space actually allows you to connect to a more rooted truth and i see this with a lot of women when they actually reconnect to their wounds or they start breathing into their wounds it kind of is a testament to like a lot of people are chest breathers so if you breathe from your womb you actually create more of a solid connection to like be more vocal and like have um, a more rooted truth and it's more grounded and it's all kind of connected, but I, it's really crazy to actually see the anatomy of the vocal cords in the pelvic floor because they look so similar and it kind of, you know, sometimes with the woo stuff, like you can listen to it, but to actually have like a little bit of, I mean, a lot of this stuff is backed up by science, but to actually see that like a, pictures of it is mm-hmm. just shows you how powerful this work can be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. and there's also even with the with the spine, if you mm-hmm. have anything out in your neck, your pelvis and your sacrum is also going to be out. So that's it's all connected. Mm. Like every part of the body like that. It's yeah. it's connected. So I love yeah, it's so crazy to see all the synchronicities. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So when it comes to womb healing. What did you find were some of the hardest things for you to start looking at or like going into when you were starting this work? In my own experience within Mm -hmm. my own body, 
Yeah, I think for me, um, really looking at that womb trauma that I had carried because, you know, that womb does like your womb does is like that life force energy. So, and also if you're disconnected from your menstrual cycle or for example, if you're on like birth control and you're not actually having like a proper bleed, which with a lot of birth control methods, people have fake bleeds. So they're not actually releasing the energy. And I mean, symbolically your period, right, is supposed to have that natural uterine line shedding, but it's not actually going through that alchemical process if you are influenced by hormones. So for Mm -hmm. me, the hardest thing was like going into my womb and like, there's years of density that needs to be shed and approaching it with kindness and acceptance and allowing it to all have a seat at the table, but without rushing the process. Yeah. You know, and that's what was the hardest for me. And that's why it's like, it took really seven years to be really integrated in this work. And I take that very, you know, I think that was why a part of me was a little bit scared to sort of offering this work because I was like, am I integrated enough? And it was like, I had done a lot of work on that, you know, spending a lot of time where I needed to with just simple practices, um, especially because, you know, my trauma history in my womb was so dense. Like there was multiple sexual assaults that, you know, had taken place there. So it was coming into a space that one, I had neglected for so long and one, having the patience and compassion and not forcing myself to rush through it because that's also can be like a trauma response is like trying to rush through the healing and, you know, go, go, go. And that, you know, that fast, like visceral energy, and instead allowing myself to really, you know, slow down with the process and allow the trauma to integrate when it desired to be integrated. Um, So I think that that was one of the hardest things. And then another area that was really hard for me, um, was reclaiming my sexuality and my pleasure. Mm, That was very dense for me. Uh, You know, know, there's so many things like, especially in terms of sexual trauma, like, yes, the trauma had happened, but it felt like that, you know, the trauma spell, it was almost like an emotional hangover afterwards. And no one really talks about, you know, specifically that area of like, what happens if you get triggered when you're having sex with your boyfriend and you like start crying and like, how do you like voice what you desire? But like, there's so many elements to reclaiming my sexuality or like, is it okay to wear like a sexy top? Is anyone going to like come attack me? Like there's a lot of areas that felt dense. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, again, like it taken, I had to go through so many processes to like gain all of those different tools to like, know how to handle if like I was triggered having sex, like know how to talk to your partner, pre-phase the person you're having sex with or who all in so many different elements. So those are probably, I feel like the two biggest areas that were the most challenging for me. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I have I have not experienced trauma in at the level that uh, that you experienced, but I definitely have my own my own mm-hmm. set. And yeah, I think my my biggest thing has been just trying to get back in touch with with that sexuality part. Um, and I definitely understand just wanting to rush the healing and just get it done because <laughs> you you just want to 
find the end result of, of all the healing and feel better and have it be behind you. Um, mm. So I definitely completely understand how you would have felt in those moments where you just want to rush it and move through it, but you just have to allow yourself the time to integrate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a big piece. Yeah. Right. And especially like in our like culture where it's like, you know, go, go, go and grow and expand all the time. It can almost feel like this pressure of like, I'm not growing and expanding at the rate that I feel like I should be. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So do you have any tips or insight onto how to start getting back in touch with your actual sexuality? Um, cause I, I know that for myself and for a lot of women, I know, um, it's something that even if we haven't had trauma, we just hold back so much because we've been shamed because if you have too much sex, you're a slut. If you don't have enough sex, you're a prude. And (laughs) there's just so much stigma around it. So how to just get back in touch with that. Yeah, this is, this is such a big thing. Um, yeah. Like you said, like you don't have to have sexual trauma to have a block around this area. This is, you know, a block for many women and it's, you know, I think the result of it too is it's pleasure is so much more beyond sex. So I think that that's the starting place is pleasure beyond just sexuality and sensuality Mm -hmm. beyond just like in the bedroom. So for me, again, in like a trauma informed way, because I have had this trauma, but it's where I get every woman to start off with is creating, I put every woman that starts working with me on a pleasure diet. So what things bring you pleasure, like making even the most mundane tasks pleasurable. Um, mm-hmm. This is where I really like working with archetypes like Aphrodite, the lover archetype. Yeah. Um, you know, how would she wash her hair? Like approaching it with curiosity. So I got a little, I did this as an experiment for about a couple months when I was dating myself. Um, and I was like, how would Aphrodite like wash her hair? Like how would she do the dishes or how would she do the laundry? Um, in a way of like, how can I make this the most pleasurable for myself? Mm-hmm. So Aphrodite probably wouldn't just like go in the shower and like have a five minute shower and like do it really quick. And then on to the next thing, like she would maybe slow down and take a breath and notice how good it feels to like actually like feel the soap on her skin. Or maybe while she's doing laundry, she would put on like a playlist and she would like move her hips a little and like fold laundry and do it in a more sensual way. Or, you know, dishes. Uh, That was a big thing for me because I lived in a house that didn't have a dishwasher for like a long time and I hated doing the dishes. And I was like, how can I make this like the most pleasurable to clean my kitchen? Mm Because, you know, having a clean kitchen also brings me pleasure, but the task of cleaning it does not. So again, like putting on a playlist, maybe putting on a candle. I sometimes would like wash dishes and, you know, sometimes like have, you know, nice lingerie on like small little things that just like make that atmosphere and like awakened my senses. Another one too is like going actually into the senses of, you know, sight, smell, like all of those things. Um, Use uh, what sometimes I get my clients to do, especially from working from home, because, you know, I oftentimes will like wear sweats, my hoodie and like messy mm-hmm. bun. It's a thing. We all do it. Yeah. But <laughs> I would sometimes ask myself, like, how can I bring more pleasure? So, you know, wearing a nice piece of lingerie or sometimes I would put on like my favorite expensive perfume on or put on my like just small gold hoops to like make me feel a little bit more luxurious. So those are kind of small ways to add 
that concept of pleasure into your day. And I think that's a good, an entry point because it can mm -hmm. soften into your sexuality a little bit more. Yeah. And then for more, not more on an advanced practice, but if you actually start wanting engaging your sexuality with um, like body and approaching it in that way, um, there's actually like an Ayurvedic practice. Um, I studied Ayurveda way back in the day mm. um, and then transferred out of it. But there's an Abhyanga massage, which translates actually to a self-love massage. And this practice, I think, is really great because, again, it allows you to awaken to your senses, but it allows you to approach your body and touch your body again um, with a real emphasis on like breast massage because a lot of women are blocked within their breasts, like their heart chakra, like a closed heart. And it, you know, that heart chakra really opens you up to receiving. Mm -hmm. And also it's interesting whenever I've done this practice, especially if you're in partnership, like it's funny. And like, you know, in past partners really like never paid attention to too much of that area. But when I was giving them attention, it was like the next time I would be intimate with a partner, it was like, they immediately went to that area. It was like, they had like a more radiant energy to them. So, you know, like maybe taking the time out of your week to just have like a 20 minute massage yourself, touching your body, taking it a little bit slower, but a real emphasis on breast massage, because I find that this practice really awakens a woman's sensuality. And it also helps, I find like increased cash flow. It helps receive, you know, in that receiving energy, which a lot of like, you know, femininity is about receiving. So mm -hmm. those are a couple of things that I have found really helpful. And I know my clients find really helpful. Interesting. I love yeah. that. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I even think about it even just in a therapeutic way, but breast massage is not something that's very mainstream. And, and even if you think about our, our pectoral muscles, like when you're getting a massage as a woman, like nobody goes near there. Like they, they go near the top and then breast tissue. Okay. We're out. Like, we're not going to pay any attention to those muscles. So not only are the muscles completely ignored, but yeah, like the actual tissue. So ignored, it, we just, ignore them it's like a squeezing bag and cool yeah. All right, we're done. <laughs> yeah I love that you mentioned that because it's another area in the body that often is like you know unless maybe they're producing milk they get paid attention to and I'm um, I mean from I think hearing from most women that I work with like a lot of the time in intimate like intimacy with their partners or just in when they are sexually active, it's like an area that a lot of guys just like bypass, like, okay, like a little bit of fondling and that's it. But you know, there are breasts, like I, they're also an area that actually like on a sexual level, they hold actually a lot of capacity to ha increase, you know, orgasms and pleasure. Like this kind of goes mm -hmm. into Tantra where it's like, you have the positive and negative poles and a woman's, you know, positive pole is her breasts. Um, so there's like a, on that side of things too, but it is an area a lot of women ignore, but it, like I was saying, like, it's been an interesting experiment to see with my clients and myself. Like when I give them more attention, I find my partners in the past and even my current partner, like maybe it'll be a couple days since I have done my own practice. And it's like an area that they'll gravitate towards in the next intimate like time that we have. And I'm like, it's almost like you're giving them the attention and it kind of like, it creates more openness and it almost like radiates that energy, but obviously it's different for every woman, but it's kind yeah. of an interesting experiment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So everybody go try that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, Allie, um, do you find that 
a lot of women that you work with have issues with being seen in their sensuality. Mm. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would say every woman that comes to work with me has a really big block in their sensuality and sexuality, um, mm. which is great because I love working through that block with women because mm. I am quite comfortable in it and it was like a big block for me. So, and I, that block too, um, you know, blocks area, other areas in your life too, like your creativity and your money flow and kind of drifts out into other things. But I would say, yeah, every woman that comes to work with me definitely has a block in their sensuality and sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, part of the reason I asked that is because I actually feel it myself. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm still working a lot on my own, like sensuality and sexuality and um, I've come a long way, but it's still got, <laughs> still have ways to go. But you know, I, I actually look at, um, I'll, I'll follow on Instagram, different people. And I'm so uncomfortable with sensual pictures. Like mm. you see sexuality in the media all the time and I'm totally okay with it. But when you see just that like sensuality where it's like a hint of, could this be like potentially be more, or it's just like that pure feminine radiance. I actually mm. find myself very uncomfortable looking at it. And I, I know that there's work I need to do around it. And I'm curious as to like how many other women are experiencing that where they look at that and they're like, oh, that's a lot, even though it's, it's not like, it's so weird. <laughs> no. Yeah. This is, I think for like first, like it's so common for so many women to experience this. I mean, I definitely had that, you know, a couple years ago when I was like really starting to move through this piece, like I sometimes would jump to the conclusion of like, oh, they're just trying to get attention or, you know, they are being sluts, like kind of those thoughts too of like Mm -hmm. that old, you know, misogyny like worked into my brain and like tearing down other women. And, you know, it's so common and I hear it from, but the interesting thing is it's like a lot of the women that do come to me, it's like, sometimes they'll be going through that. A lot of the women come that come to me to work with this, they're kind of over that judgmental side of things now. And it's more of like, they're aware that it's an inner judgment. It's like, oh, but that's, I wish I could express myself more freely. Like maybe I don't want to like post photos of me, but I wish I was more comfortable, like even in my own relationship to it. Mm -hmm. So it's so, it's so common and it's such a big thing. I mean, you, I think we even saw that, you know, really closely, like, and not to go too deep into this, but like, with the halftime show, like everyone was up in arms about that. Like it sparked like a really huge conversation. And I think there's definitely multiple layers, but I mean, there's so many other areas where it can trigger big responses for people. And I think it kind of goes back to that, like that, you know, that virgin and the slut, like those stories. And it's like, can you be both? Like, you know, can you be a mom or can you be a businesswoman and also like have a really vibrant sex life? And you know, really flirty, like, are you allowed to be both? And Mm -hmm. it's a very, it's a very dense area because it's like so much conditioning. I mean, you could bring in religion, you could bring in the way you were parented, you could bring in like the sisterhood wounds. Like, I feel like it kind of comes at so many different angles of how much layered shame is in our sexuality and our sexuality. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that you brought up the, the <laughs> halftime show because, yeah, that's a perfect example because there's so many, so many people that are like, oh, that's gross. Like, put some clothes on. Why are you doing that? And then other people are like, yes, like, absolutely rock on. <laughs> like, it's amazing. So it's so interesting how it, it is divided and it's just, 
different levels of healing that are needed and just different conditioning. So mm, yeah, so much, yeah, different conditioning and like it's you know a continued experience of like I, I was really quiet about it I was just kind of taking it in from like just like witnessing how much it kind of like moved people I was like I don't even know who won like I didn't even hear about who won the Super Bowl but I heard more about the halftime show than anything else yeah <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious how how do you feel like all of this relates into just being seen in general in your feminine radiance and stepping into your feminine power and leadership. Mm, yeah, especially with sexuality and sensuality, because it ties into so much about like our creativity. Um, you know, that was one thing that one of the women said in Side of Womb Alchemy is that we when we went into the this module inside of Womb Alchemy, when they kind of started digging into it, it was the first time they actually felt like their creativity came back. And I loved how that made, they made that connection themselves. They were like, you know, I started writing poetry again and actually sharing it on Instagram. And I didn't understand, you know, how that, like it translated, but the energies are, you know, it is our creative expression, our sensuality. Mm -hmm. It has so much to do with our expression. And if we're, it's, you know, that if we're causing separation of like, again, going back to that, like slut virgin, you know, like you know, yeah. marry the whore and then like sacred likeness. It's like we're causing that separation within ourselves and we're not actually allowing ourselves to come into wholeness because the, the you know, the slut in us or our inner like bad girl, whatever, the temptress, the intentress, or, you know, the part of us that is a little, you know, seductive or flirtatious, like she's just as holy as any other goddess. So when we mm -hmm. really come back to that, I think, a lot of women just they feel like they can give themselves their permission to actually express themselves in the way and they're not asking for permission anymore and that was i think Beautiful. a big part of my experience it's like comes back to allowing themselves to be seen and they're like reclaiming that really deep part of them from wholeness i mean there's so much mm -hmm. to go into but i feel like that kind of like summarizes the, the foundation of it yeah absolutely that's yeah. beautiful so now, I know that you typically look at the feminine differently than a lot of people. And I know you have um, some stronger views around how you view the feminine. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm curious if you can go into that a little bit about like the different levels of, of how you view it. Because I know that for you, it's not all just about like the sensuality and relaxation. Like you actually go into like the harder edges of the, of the feminine um, mm -hmm. and the stronger parts of it. So I'm curious if you can elaborate on your thoughts on yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So this was, I think, a big thing for me that I wanted to like share when I started kind of tapping into this work, because when I first started coming into my feminine, I thought it just had to look like the way that you saw it on Instagram, which was like women posting like pictures of them, like in their lingerie and like in a flower field and like talking about, I don't know, like jade eggs, which I do do. Like I do share those parts of the feminine, but I think mm -hmm. what was really helpful for me is learning about the different and going into their mythology and seeing that there's so many different sides and ranges of the feminine like if you think about like Kali Ma or like Baba Yaga they're not sweet and sensual creatures like Baba Yaga is like a swamp witch and Kali Ma is like you know if you see her pictures she has like 
heads all around her and a sword and like she's fierce or if you go into like the mythology of like artemis or athena which is like the huntress and the sage archetypes like they do have a little bit more of like a masculine edge because their range of the femininity like the huntress is she's more goal oriented like she's in the forest she's kind of more wild woman energy or the sage she's more like strategic because you know, Artemis hung out, like, in her mythology, she, like, hung out more of the boys. She was, like, war strategy. Mm-hmm. So I think that it, I, I wanted to share this part with, I mean, my, like, the people that follow me, because I think that women that come to me are very high achieving, and it made them, when they wanted to work with me, a lot of them would say the same thing over and over again. It's like, I'm high achieving. I'm someone that's ambitious. I want to come into my feminine, but I don't want to lose that part of myself. Mm-hmm. Or, and you know, and I think there's a, there's, there's so multiple layers because some of it is that conditioning of like the unbalanced masculine, which is kind of maybe made them like hustling and stuff like that. But also there is that part of the feminine that is a little bit more edgy. And, mm-hmm. you know, the feminine, I don't think is about necessarily the actions of what you, sh- you know, cause sometimes it's like, Oh, well, this is, it's more of the energy that you're leading with. Like you can start, you can start taking action um, and you kind of activate more of that fierce feminine, but it's just like a different way than like maybe the masculine drive. Like, I mean, there, it's important to take into a factor of like, there is that full range of femininity that so many people ignore. And then it gets kind of confusing and muffled. And there are polarities like that are, not don't require a lot of explanation but maybe aren't as black and white like they're a little bit more fluid or like a river um sometimes that you know that body of water if it represents femininity it can be you know a pace that's a little bit slower but sometimes it's like a tidal wave and like that's mm-hmm. kind of i think a good way to describe the feminine as well like flow if we were to describe feminine as flow sometimes flow and the pace of the flow can you can choose the pace if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm curious, how do you view the differences between the masculine and the feminine in like a business perspective when you're leading from that feminine edge versus the masculine? Yeah, the way I kind of describe it and like how I incorporate it in my business is like my feminine is the CEO and the masculine is like the assistant that creates the structures in the system so that my flow can show up. And but it's always the energy that I'm leading with. So it kind of is more of that like supportive edge. Um, you know, I would say like the masculine is more like the master of like the time and a little bit is more organized than the, you know, if we're going to look at the different polarities and I allow that structure to support me. Um, so I can continue to flow. Cause I think sometimes also what happens is people come into their femininity and reject the masculinity mm-hmm. and that's not embodied feminine because you know, they both, you know, they're in union, they don't reject one another, they don't hate one another. So I allow it to support me with structures, with systems, because you can see that where people will, you know, think that they're feminine is like totally rejecting like, you know, any sort of organization, any sort of structure, and that's the imbalanced feminine. So that's kind of how I use it in my business. I, the best way to describe it is like, yeah, the assistant to allow things to run smoothly, but my feminine being calls the shots more so. Okay. 
That's so neat. Yeah. yeah. I love that view because it, it is so different than what we're taught in just the general mainstream. Um, and again, like we're, we're just told that the feminine is so flowy most of the time and it just doesn't, like it can't lead, but I doubt like it's not true. Like I do believe that the feminine can lead and you're, you're proof of that. Like you lead with your feminine and you have that masculine support in that energy as well. Totally. And I think that that's, it's, you know, again, that comes in like, I respect the masculine so deeply. And I think that that's such a big part of feminine embodiment is like, if you're going to dive into feminine embodiment, you have to also look at what your relationship with the masculine is. Because if you reject it, if you tell it it's wrong, one, your probably romantic relationships are not going to be <laughs> as great as you want them to be. Two, like money isn't going to flow as well. Your business is going to be a little bit more chaotic. It's you know, that harmonious balance of like those riverbanks are the masculine and the river is the feminine, one without the other. Like one, the river would be a chaotic mess. It would have no direction. The masculine kind of allows you to show up in your flow, but with a direction. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't have the river and it was just a riverbank, well, you'd be run dry and there would be no movement. It would just kind of be, you know, burnt out and adrenal fatigue that's where that kind of stuff comes in yeah absolutely yeah oh this is so good <laughs> I love going into this work um Ali is there anything that you think our listeners need to know um that we haven't covered yet maybe one thing just to like tap into is I feel like coming into your feminine expression can trigger a lot of wounds around feeling unsafe to dive into it mm -hmm. because, you know, for such a long time, it, you know, it was a reality where it was unsafe to like be in your feminine energy. It kind of goes back into that, like the witch wound around, you yeah. know, like there, there's a density to that. And I think what we're waking up to in this lifetime, which is so beautiful, there is that, you know, that feminine shift, that harmonious shift where we are doing so much work around reestablishing safety within our bodies to, you know, come home to our femininity and, you know, safety also to really look at our protected distrust of the masculine and that work of doing, you know, the work on both polarity is, is when you can start really coming back to leading from wholeness. And that's what I think that my work is, you know, guides women to its deepening back, themselves back into wholeness and just remembering like it does take time like it's a practice mm -hmm. especially because there is density and you know the that it is real sometimes that you know mistrust with the masculine in a variety of di different ways but it, one is not better than the other and I think it's just important to take that into consideration but also yeah just that message around it's like, it's safe and like really coming back to that message of safety and doing that devotional practice to how can you embody safety? Because that's, if you create a foundation of safety, that's when that feminine is going to feel more and more inclined to like really come out and play in her expression. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> safety is definitely so important. And I, I know in my own life, it's something that I've had to really lean into um, because for, I, I know for myself for so long, I was afraid to be in my feminine, just like so many of us. And I felt unworthy of being in my feminine. Mm. Um, like as if I, if I went into it, that 
I was no longer a participating member of society and I was no longer good. And because I was stepping out of that typical like hustle and drive that, that rigid um, wounded masculinity that we've been taught. So it took away my self-worth to want to step into my feminine. But once I stepped into my feminine, I was able to actually find that self-worth and have it come from within rather than from without. Mm, I love that. Yes. (laughs) So I'm curious, is there anything that if you could go back, you wish you'd known sooner about all of this work or the journey you've been on? Hmm. Obviously everything was so perfect, but I think what it would have been helpful for me to know is just, um, I think sometimes we can put so many, you know, if human language is challenging, especially to like talk about such, you know, big energies like masculine energy. And I think sometimes we allow that human language to like kind of maybe put those energies into boxes, which is great Mm -hmm. because it, you know, organizing, categorizing, so we can understand them a bit better. But I think for me, what I had wish I had known sooner is, you know, feminine expression, the most natural way that it comes out is when you drop out of your head and into your heart and into your Mm -hmm. body. And that there's such a range of femininity and when we're going into think about what it needs to look like we're not in our feminine <laughs> we're like over analyzing it again so i think that just it would have probably been a little bit more helpful to know because i spent so many years like this is what being in my feminine power like has to look like and that's when it comes back to like oh i need to like be in flower fields all the time and if i'm going to be a feminine embodiment coach and a leader like i need to post pictures in my lingerie all the time and I think it would have been just been really more helpful to know that there's such a range of femininity and to explore and to play and test out and be curious um and yeah sometimes human language kind of gets us in the way of like what actually the expression is that authentic expression and how it wants to come out yeah absolutely (laughs) it really does box us in sometimes because we're trying to make sense of things so hard that if it's if it doesn't fall in the box well we're just going to put it in the box anyway that's how it has to be yes yeah 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 and remembering like that again like you said that it doesn't have to look one certain way there's there's no right or wrong with how it has to look it's just about you and how you're embodying it and and the feelings that you have and your own practices because we're all in our in our own lanes on our own journeys and there may be similarities but there's also a lot of differences and recognizing that that's a beautiful thing is so key Mm, yeah I love that you mentioned that so many shades and different layers and you know exploring if there's a shade that you've not seen before like it gets to be done with curiosity and play and like you know bringing back that like curious magical child where you know you're just allowing yourself to do it a little bit in more pleasure again that concept of pleasure and not making it so hard and rigid for yourself of what it has to look like because then it's no fun and then yeah and then the journey you know the journey is Obviously, that's going to be sometimes uncomfortable and stuff like that, but always bringing back to like, how can you soften into it a little bit more instead of having to make it so, I think we do that with healing sometimes. It's like, oh, 
make it so much more challenging than it needs to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm curious if you could describe yourself as a metaphor, any metaphor, what would that be? Oh my gosh. Mm. (laughs) I love this because I'm really good at coming up with really weird metaphors. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to take one that my boyfriend said the other day. He, He said, he's like, you're like a, or maybe this is more like a simile. Does that count? Can I add that? Yeah, yes. Yeah, so okay. Like as you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's he told me he's like you're like a nice freshly squeezed um, glass of orange juice, and I was like, I, I was like, I love that because we love orange juice and like it's fresh, it's refreshing, it like. So I'm gonna use that one. <laughs> That's awesome. I yeah. love that. Yeah. I can definitely see that. You have like a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of tartness, like yeah. fresh and like liquidy. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And do you have any books that you're reading right now that you absolutely love? Mm, that's a f- I ordered like 10 books last month, so <laughs> I'm not reading all of them, but there's definitely, I'm reading right now The Body Keeps the Score, which is about um, trauma and how it affects the body um, on a mind, body, and like brain level, which I think mm-hmm. is really fascinating. One, it's making me a better coach, and two, I think it's just, you know, better understanding of trauma in general. Um, and then another book that I just got that I'm really excited about is, I think it's called Mary Magdalene Revealed. Um, and that would be one that I would really recommend, especially if you want to dive into the work around like sexuality and sensuality, because Mary Mm -hmm. Magdalene and a lot of like religious cultures was painted as a slut. And she, the story of her, um, like my womb is so happy because it feels like it's actually the story that we kind of were neglected to be told. So that's a great one in in that sense. Mm, Awesome. I'll definitely put those in the show notes so people can check those out. (laughs) I'm curious, have you ever read The Red Tent? Yes. Oh, Oh. that one's one of my favorites. Yeah. So good. I listened to it on Audible actually, and it Mm. was the storytelling in it. Oh, it was so good. Oh, I know reading that it just I think every woman that has or I've ever talked to that's read it, it, it like it activates a part of you it's like a soul remembering on some like deep level it goes into like the sexual shame like all of yeah. the sisterhood wounds like so much mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah I love it it's so good mm-hmm. and have you ever checked out um which code red or love your lady landscape by lisa uh, lester yes she's so good <laughs> those are my those are my other favorites <laughs> yeah yeah she's awesome yeah <laughs> oh those ones are the ones that like awakened my womb healing journey for sure mm, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah she's so like is the right i guess that's the right word that's coming through like primitive or like primal kind of almost yeah i feel like there's that like i'm like you are like embodied witchy woman and yes it's refreshing to like have that energy and like read from a woman like an untamed undomesticated way yeah absolutely so good 
I find too, um, I read the witch book. I've read all of them, but Mm -hmm. in which I just felt like all of the feminine, like womb rage, like the ancestral rage Mm -hmm. come up. And I was just like, oh, must heal. (laughs) (laughs) Must change the world. (laughs) Such a good advocator. Yeah. 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 Love it. So good. (laughs) Uh, Allie, this is amazing. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was like just so fluid and you're such Mm -hmm. a good interviewer. Oh, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, perfect. Um, what is the best place for people to reach out to you and connect with you? Um, probably Instagram. That's like my favorite place to hang out. Um, yeah, I would say Instagram. You could obviously add me on Facebook too, but I spend majority of my time on Instagram, which is just Allie Canales. Um, can and your my name will be in the show because no one knows yes. <laughs> usually how to like spell it but yeah just on instagram my name ali canalis you can send me a message and just connect with me if anyone has any more questions or i would just like to hear any like insights that have come through too because i like having conversations with women about this i find it really eye-opening too to hear people's stories yeah it's beautiful yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So that'll definitely be in the show notes. And do you have any programs opening up soon? Um, is there anything that you're doing that you want to share about? Yeah. So Womb Alchemy, I'm not sure when the, this podcast will be up, but Womb Alchemy, the next round is in enrollment right now, which starts February 24th. Um, but it runs usually, it'll run again. So even if it is later, um, you can message me. Um, so that's kind of a, it's a six week program, kind of a everything we kind of talked about, womb wounds, working with your menstrual cycle, an introduction to your hormones, your sexuality, healing your relationship with the masculine, lots of yummy stuff. Um, And it's, again, like it's that program that I talked about at the beginning where I birthed it from a place of a a little bit of like advocacy and like a little bit of anger towards how our society was going. And yeah, it's the fourth round that it's running. There's already so many amazing women in there. So I'm not sure when this podcast will go up, but either way it runs pretty frequently. So that'll probably be one to get in it as it pertains to what we had to talk about today. Perfect. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode today. Allie, this was so amazing. And I'm so glad that you were here and you were able to share all of your beautiful wisdom with our listeners. I know that they appreciate it. And I will see all of you on the next episode. Thank you for joining me today on the Soul Service Podcast. Do you want to feel powerful, vibrant, and happy in your daily life? Get in on my free Walk Your Path to Power Challenge. Head on over and join me at AnastasiaBurtnick.com forward slash power. If you love what you heard today, I would be over the moon if you could leave me a five-star review and subscribe over on iTunes. I want to help as many people as I can, and I can't do it without your support. I'll see you on the next episode.